Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. I'm Nathan. And today we are at your house. It's mm-hmm. a, a fine Sunday. I woke up to. Uh, it's not a, Sunday. It's Saturday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I woke up to um, grey clouds and rain, and uh, got some some tattoos shaded, and uh, went home, made some lunch, scrambled eggs on toast, the go-to, mm-hmm. and here we are. And it's like beach weather. Yeah, it's fucking. I don't know, like Melbourne weather, dude. It was it was yeah. grey and miserable. Now it's sunny. Four seasons in a day. Yeah, love that's it. Right. I mean, it's odd. It's funny you say you think it's Sunday because I had yesterday off work. Because okay. My partner and I went to Australia Zoo and mm. pet some otters. Well, we didn't pet the otters, but we had mm. a, an Offered otter experience. Food. Yeah, yeah. You pay and go and I don't know. Yeah, give them food, get some photos with them. And how was that? Well, pretty damn good. Excellent. They, uh, they're just kind of like little kittens of the sea. Yeah, they're adorable. Yeah. They're so soft. Their little hands grabbing you. It's great. Yeah, and you fed them. What was it chicken necks and oh, chicken necks, up fish? fish, prawns, squid, mm. all that good stuff. Delightful. Yes. See, I think it was a few episodes ago we were like dishing out Australia Zoo, but um, it's uh, what were we dishing them out. It was for? good. I don't remember. I think I we, love Australia. We mentioned it, and I was like, oh yeah, last time I we went there, they had like half the animals in their enclosure. Oh, okay, yeah. It, it it's always got work done, but that just mm. means it's getting better. It probably has like on and off seasons too. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah. we went on a Friday, and I don't think it was any special day. It was pretty busy. Like, it yeah. was packed. Yeah, true. Still doing well. Solid, solid. Yes. And um, I saw Evanescence on Thursday night. Oh, did you really? Yeah, at River Stage. Went with the dad. I didn't and, realize uh, it was 2007. <laughs> well, it was like a tour for the 20th anniversary of their first album, which is the one with all the bangers, like Bring Me to Life and Everybody's Full. I'll be Tornica. honest with you, I probably only know two songs. Yeah, okay. Well, it was cool because they played, um, I guess, more from that album than they usually would, but they played them in like medleys because obviously they've had a few albums and been a band for ages, so they wanted to play other content. But the way they did it is they'd like start a song, then when it got to the chorus, they'd play like a different song's hook. And then a different song, second verse, and then a different song's chorus. So it was a medley of Keeping like them fresh. four or five songs. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then uh, last night, I saw one of my favorite bands, Dream on Dreamer from Melbourne. After going on hiatus and having a farewell tour, they've yeah, I was since say, dropped. What's their go? Are they a band? Are they not a I, band? They explained it as like a breakup period, and now they've reformed with like new love. <laughs> Is this like a new Coke thing? I don't know. Like they they disbanded to sell lots of merch and yeah. this is the final album and now they're like, oh, we need money. Let's get back together. No, well, they wouldn't do that. It's they're interesting because they, they called it a day temporarily, it seems, released a handful of songs, did a couple tours and now they're back. But when we saw them, they didn't play anything from their last album. Interesting. But okay. It, it was the 10, 10 year anniversary tour. Um, of my favorite album of theirs that I have tattooed. So, but yeah, that was sick. Did you do anything else with your week? You were sick. I was uh, deathly sick, man. Had mm. a cold flu. Had to actually take my this is my my first day off work this year. I think, yeah. like wow. sickness wise. There you go. So I'm trying to aim for one a year. You know. <laughs> yeah. Keep it uh, minimal. Yeah, but I'm feeling mostly better. I apologize if I sound a bit hoarse. No, no, you say. <laughs> <laughs> sound good, I imagine. Um, let's well, get into the episode, eh? Let's uh, let's give the listeners what they came here for. They don't come to hear updates on our lives, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so today we will be discussing uh, one of uh, one one of our, I guess, mutually agreeable uh, good possession films or, or haunted house films. I guess you'll say. Sure. Yeah. Uh, today we're discussing The Conjuring. Yeah, coming off the back of Exorcist, where it's a haunted mm. person to now just a haunted house, right? Yeah, yeah. So this was released in 2013, so 
40 years after The Exorcist. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how we can compare. Well, I did see some similarities, mm, especially towards same. the end. Yeah, yeah. Particularly that whole like actual exorcism, which mm-hmm. um, was really nice. So I guess we'll get into that a little later. But mm-hmm. some background on The Conjuring. So directed by the man, James Wan. James you, Wan. Uh, dropped that name a lot on this pod. Obviously, yeah. the guy behind Saw and Insidious. But no, was... How many movies had he made before this? Was this his... I want to say it was his third? Like, because he made... The Conjuring? Yeah. Like, he made um, Saw. He made Insidious by then. And then, was this his next one? Well, I feel like Saw was, like, 2003 or 2004. So, surely, for as prolific a director as he is, he would have had some more between them. I'm not sure. Before this, I tried to Google James Wan movies. Mm. And then it got distracted because one of them said Razorback. Uh, and it turns out it wasn't movies by him. It was there's a list of movies he recommends, just ah, like movies that he likes. That's cool. And Razorback was on there. So that's cool. Hidden yeah. gem, Australian classic. Razorback. I'd pay that. That's um, cool. Yeah, but I mean, I think this was his first one without Lee One L. Surely. Yeah, yeah. And I still haven't watched, regrettably, Insidious. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will get around to that. And was it at least two? One and two? You said before I watched yeah. Red Door. Yeah, one, two, right. then Red Door. I'll endeavour to do that uh, in the next. Yeah. <laughs> um, written by Chad and Carrie W. Hayes, some brothers. Uh, and of course, starring Patrick Wilson, who was also the, the star in Insidious. Yep. Um, Vera Farmiga, is that how you say it? Uh, I don't. The <laughs> I think that's how it's pronounced, the, um, probably. The mother in the Bates Motel um, TV show. and okay. uh, She was in Orphan as well. I've not seen that for a very long time. But, um, I've still not watched that one. So she, do, they both have uh, the lead roles have some some horror experience. horror background. Yeah, uh, Lily Taylor who was in Leatherface, and Ron Livingston who was in Office Space. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen Office Space. <laughs> um, oh, really? It's got that iconic like slow mo scene where they just trash the computer. With, I like, don't know what you're talking about. Like, curb stomp and have like a baseball bat or something. American History X. You've not seen that like <laughs> famous scene? It's been parodied. No, no, okay. I've not. Okay. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So decent cast. I, I, I find that Patrick Wilson is often in like these kind of roles where he's like a guy fighting he, some yep. sort of supernatural force, but uh, he does it well. Yeah. Well, he is definitely my favorite uh, character in the movie because mm. of the actor. Like, yeah. Obviously, so this movie is, uh, I'll air quotes, based on true events. Yeah. From yeah. The, the Ed and Lorraine Warren mm. books and experiences. Well, I mean, it's more based on true events than The Strangers was. Uh, the Strangers was inspired by yeah. something that happened. Yeah, well, this is also inspired by something that people said happened. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they... Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have, I don't know. I don't want to get too much into it, but... <laughs> all right, all right. If you don't know anything about Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were, like, in the movie, demonologists, self-proclaimed, self-taught. Yeah, like who, paranormal investigators. Paranormal investigators who mm. went around and solved some famous, you know, like they did Amityville house they yeah, did yeah. annabelle the doll and it's i don't know if you're a type of person like me a very skeptical man who doesn't really believe the things they did mm. then this movie is not hard to watch but hard to buy yeah because it takes something that it says is like this happened this is based on true facts this is yeah. how it happened and then it's just these fantastical things that happen in the movie that's like i can't buy that yeah it's too so- much so it's it's based on true events in the sense that the Warrens were real people and the Perrin family, who's the the family in this farmhouse um, that are being terrorized by these spirits, like were real people. Yeah, and, and did did 
uh, quote on like experience or haunting of the house. Yeah, yeah. There's like credited events that there were supernatural occurrences here. So yes, it's yeah, it, it's got the raw materials, but obviously the the things that actually happen in the film when the haunting is taking place were were probably just embellished for the screen. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, bitches um, be levitating. Yeah, but this was like I remember when this came out. We were in high school or just finished high school, and um, I think our first watch of it was like a burned DVD at home that had like Asian subtitles stuck on the bottom. <laughs> so our first experience wasn't great, but um, we are just saying uh, today before we started rolling that we had probably only seen it like once or twice and it was probably years apart from our first watch and, and seeing it for this pod. Yeah, I don't know what like what year I first watched it because I didn't see it in the movies, I don't think. No, no. I, th- I, I, think, I know the, the hype was real. Yeah. And even back then I wasn't really a big fan of Possession or haunting house mm. movies so i didn't want to go to the movies to watch it sure so i don't know when i first saw it but since then it's yeah been what 10 years since i watched it yeah Nine, yeah maybe i don't know why i haven't watched it like sooner because i've always enjoyed it but um there's know. too many other too good many movies. movies to watch <laughs> man yeah uh made on a budget of 20 million dollars mm-hmm. um, and made 320 million for that the box office is good that's yes, a that's this, a lot of money this was a hit and for sure. to further on that, so thrown in $20 million for this movie. Mm. The Conjuring series, which includes Conjuring 1, 2, Devil Maybe Do It, mm. the Annabelle three trilogy. Annabelle movies, The, the Nun. Curse of La Llorona, and then The Nun. Oh, like and The, the Nun 2 is about to come out. The Nun 2 right? hasn't come out yet, so it doesn't include that. Yeah. But of those eight movies, I think they've grossed a total of $2.2 billion, Oh, my God. Which <laughs> makes it the highest grossing horror movie franchise. That's wild. I'll be honest, I was surprised to learn it wasn't a Bloomhouse production. It, like, yeah. gave me that vibe. Yeah, I but, could uh, almost see that. It's a bit too high budget for, for Blue yeah, House 20 yeah. million. Once I researched that, I was like, ah, yes. Um, which of those films have you seen? I've seen the three Conjuring movies, and that is it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Conjuring, Conjuring 2, Annabelle, and The Nun. And I think Conjuring 2, Annabelle, like first Annabelle, um, and The Nun I saw in the movies, but could take or leave The Nun. I honestly... You know, was was neither here or there. But Annabelle, I thought was all right. I haven't seen the sequels, but I've heard. I think the third one is it comes home. Uh, comes yeah, home. I think so. Was decent. Okay. Um, I did like in Conjuring Two the bit where they like get the the girl to like drink water and hold it in her mouth, and then the demon speaks anyway. Yeah. That was cool. But I, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know which one I like more, one or two. I think okay. the fact that it's set in England kind of gives yeah. it a little bit of leeway, just because I like England. Yeah. Uh, but I think I, in terms of story, they're kind of the same, mm. like in terms of how much I like them. Yeah. Okay. Although I do like the, in the second one, not really the twist of it, but how it was like revealed that the demon or the ghost that they think is haunting the place yeah. is only haunting it to stop the demon that's actually there from taking full control. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Okay. Is, is that two? You yeah, said? that's in two. Yeah. Because the conjuring is like a witch, the spirit of a witch. Yeah. They like sacrifice her children. Bathsheba. Yeah. Yeah. And then the second one's like a demon. And then Devil Made Me Do It. I, I can't remember the specifics, but that's essentially like a case that went to trial, and they claimed they were possessed yeah. by the devil, right? Yeah. That I think you cut it out of the episode that I was talking about that one for time reasons, but I went oh, okay. on this rant of how much I didn't like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll nip it at the bud here. Yeah. We don't want to go down that slippery slope. Yes. Um. But yeah, like you said, the the story is essentially um it, it, it's yeah inspired by case studies, we'll say of, of the of the Warrens and um, yeah. So Ed was 
uh, a demonologist and Lorraine was a clairvoyant, um, like medium type. And they kind of worked together to, to help families that were experiencing uh, hauntings and the like. And uh, they actually founded the, the New England Society for Psychic Research in 1952. There you go. And investigated over 10,000 cases in their career. Just them two alone? Mm. Fuck me, that's a lot. Yeah. And I'd, Pretty wild. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not obviously very well researched on those two, but mm. I don't think they took money to like, help people. Yeah, I think okay. I read that, and so that that gives me some amount of like respect for them. Like they didn't, yeah, not pure charlatans that like, yeah. give us a thousand dollars and we'll get rid of this ghost for you. Well, but they, but they did write books and make a lot of money that way. Yeah, and, like consulting with movies like this and Amityville. Mm. And I mean, even in The Conjuring, there's a scene where it shows them being called to a house that's rumored to be haunted, and they just debunk it. Yeah, natural causes. I, I very much liked that yeah. inclusion in the movie. Like the movie, like looking at it from the, just that point of view, sets them up to be these very respected or mm. respectable people. Yeah. Like they're not charlatans; they're out there to help people. If it's not haunted, they're going to tell you because they don't want it to be. Yeah, and they like portrayed them as being genuine. Yeah, like, gave yeah, them a sense genuine. of authenticity. I think, which was cool. And also, Paris, uh, Paris, Patrick Wilson is just so damn charismatic. I love that man. Yeah, the charm. He's yes. like, I, I like the. Not so much humor that he brought to the table, but it was just like, he was a very he, lovable character. He brings a lot of wholesomeness. Yeah, he was very sincere. Um, and the Hayes brothers that wrote the script actually liaised with Lorraine Warren to refine the details of um, this specific case study, which was cool. There you go. Um, I believe uh, Lorraine Warren and members of the Perrin family also were present on set at times. Yeah, well, I think there was a cameo. Like, I think she was, when they were giving one of their lectures, she was in the front row. Oh, that's cool. Because the camera like zooms past her. She was one of the old ladies. Yeah, nice. I think Ed had passed away before the production of this film. But yeah. I, I think I read the script was um, in the works for like over 10 years. The, oh, wow. The original guy who had the, the concept for it before it made its way to the Hayes Brothers um, to adapt it for the screen. But uh, yeah, so it was a long time coming. And I think it got knocked back from a lot of production companies. Um, but yeah, it's uh, made us... <laughs> Made its uh, its its weight in gold. Um, it was shot over thirty eight days, uh, which is relatively quick and in chronological chronologically order. as well. Yes, yeah. that's always very interesting. I always like to see that because um, I imagine as an actor, if you're shooting a film that crescendos into this big final act, it's easier to remain in character and give that full um, expression of of whatever the character is going through as an actor, if you've got all that experience to lead up to it. Yeah. Well, like, I think the most famous one is The, the Breakfast Club, right? Like, right. that was shot chronologically. And so these, however many kids, was it five or six? I can't remember. Oh, fuck. Off the top of my head, fuck. I can't be bothered. How many? How many? I'll try to picture the cover. <laughs> well, we've got the nerd job. Uh, Alex is saying <laughs> Weirdo. Uh, yeah, so these five actors who barely know each other come together. And then over the course of making the movie, mm. it strengthens their friendship. So in the movie their characters can become more friends yeah fair so that fair. that makes it easier for that uh in terms of this movie though i don't know why they'd shoot it chronologically other than just mm. because yeah because like a choice from what i understand the interior of the house was built on a sound stage yeah. so it's not like if there was um deterioration of the walls and things if like the set design was being broken as part of the narrative then you could just film it in um, chronological order, not have to recreate the set every time. But yeah, yeah I, I'm not too sure, like you said, what the purpose was um, in this instance. But yeah, interesting nonetheless. 
Uh, it received an R rating, despite no profanity, mm-hmm. nudity, mm-hmm. and very little gore. Yes. In fact, the only... As in no nudity. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the only gore per se is when she like spews blood and that's that's it. Yeah. And there's not even any like... Other than supernatural themes, mm. there's no themes that are like bad. Yeah. If that makes any sense. There's no... Like, it's yeah, rated R purely because they thought it was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Just gave them the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny because... Um, yeah, I, I remember watching this like at an all-nighter as like teens. So, yeah, interesting. Um, the previous owners of the house, um, the the Rhode Island farmhouse in question, uh, Norma Sutcliffe and Gerald Helfrich, I'm going to say it's pronounced, <laughs> actually sued James Wan and Warner Brothers Studio for property vandalism after the film's release. What the hell? Yeah, it's, I guess it's like um, the Exorcist stairs in Georgetown, like got all this graffiti on it, but that would have been more so to go down in history where they just saw this as like being harassed because they had connections to the house. I guess that's like the Breaking Bad house where people, the people who live there mm. just got sick of fucking people. Other other guys are just like stalking by and taking yeah. photos of it, throwing pizzas on the roof. <laughs> yeah. Um, and eight generations of families lived in that house and some of the deaths included suicides, poisoning, a rape and murder of a very young girl, drownings, and freezing to death. So it's just a fucking black hole of misery in 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 this house. Oh yes, and uh, that tree that's on the cover and um, the one where the the witch hanged herself from, um, I believe that was built for the set. I don't How think that's a real tree. How the hell do you build a tree? Yeah, I guess it's just like wood and scaffolding, <laughs> and then they just have like painters make it look lifelike. I guess. I don't know. That's strange. Yeah, I thought that was odd too. But I mean, it's a very specifically designed tree, so I guess it makes sense. Yeah, true. Because I don't know... Like I said, I know the like house was built on a soundstage, but I don't know if the exterior was... They just found like this nice, tall, remote farmhouse. I believe they did. Yeah, okay. They just found a, a farmhouse that looked good. Yeah. A nice lake in the background. Yeah. Imagine scouting for sets and you're specifically looking for the tree that's going to be <laughs> like outside. Also, just the location, man. Why do all the haunted house got to be the best ones? Like that, yeah. uh, the house itself isn't that special. I thought it was bigger than okay. I, well, I remember it being bigger. Turns out it's quite a small house. Is it two or three story? It's two stories with a okay. basement. Yeah, right. Because it's America, so they all have fucking basements. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's just like the, ignoring the house, just that property where it's like a very large property with a fucking lake behind it or river yeah. or whatever. Has a dock, got a canoe, a big old you know tree for yeah. you know either hanging yourself or just a nice tire swing. It, I'd love to live there, <laughs> hauntings aside. There's a lot of tropes in yeah haunted house horrors. Oh, I love that alliteration. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you're right. There's always a gnarled tree... It's always two-story and decrepit with a basement because basements or attics are just inherently creepy. And there's generally a body of water. I guess that's to show, like, how remote it is. And Yeah, I'd buy that. Yeah, something like that. I get vibes of paranormal activity meets the Amityville Horror for this film. I I mean, in terms of it's a haunted house, then yes. Well, it's just like the type of scares... Because uh, they're like simple scares in this film, like creaking doors, shadows, um, yeah, being like yanked in bed, like the birds hitting the window. Like it's it's stuff that's been done before and stuff that is cliche for the genre, but 
he kept it because it works. Like, yeah, there's there's only so much you can do with a haunted house scare. Yeah, because everything kind of has been done. Mm. I mean, the the paranormal acti- paranormal act. Why can we not say I that know, word? See what I mean? <laughs> the paranormal activity two scare. <laughs> All right, all right. Continue. Uh, in the kitchen with all like the kitchen cabinets flying open. Oh, that, that was, was a nice sick. one because that was very like that was know, that was pretty fresh. That was new. Mm. This one, like poltergeist activity. Yeah, I don't think this one introduced any good like paranormal scares mm. that I can think of. Like the the whole mirror, like the little toy with the swirling mirror. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, because you're kind of expecting a simple mirror thing where it's just like a raw jump scare mm. with a face right behind her. But when you do get a scare with it, it's just this little boy goes like in the background. That's yeah. not necessarily a jump scare. It's just yeah, a regular person in the background scare. I do very much enjoy that as well. Cause like I said, it would have been so easy to just um, have a face pop up over your shoulder and the, the string stabs and yeah. everyone jumps in the cinema, but yeah. and there's a there's a bathroom like mirror cab like medicine cabinet mirror. They don't do anything with that, which is good. Yeah, like I liked that. that. Yeah, scare. yeah. I was I couldn't quite remember if they did anything with that, but I'm glad they they left it alone. Yeah. Um, which is why I really enjoyed when like Candyman flipped that on its head. Yeah. Um, we've touched on the uh, the Warrens and the Parent family. So essentially, um, the Parent family, which uh, it, it's pretty wild. It's a it's a husband and wife and five daughters god i feel for that man <laughs> can you imagine that house <laughs> no um and they move into this new house and um then i think I, I can't remember if i heard it correctly but the husband roger picks up work in like florida for a week yeah well i think he's a truck driver yeah because there's a there's a brief shot of a truck mm. pulling up to the property and so he goes he has to go to florida and back for his next trip but yeah. i think even in the phone call he says it's like half his rate yeah. So they're like struggling for money, which is a good motivation of why they don't just sell the house. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's not in it for long at the start when things start getting weird. And uh, it, it's it's after things ramp up when I think Carolyn, is it her name? The, the mother or the wife? Unfortunately, I cannot remember. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's Carolyn. I've probably got it in my notes further down. Um, she like sees the Warrens... Um, presenting a lecture and she like meets up with them afterwards and asks them to come over and that's when they get involved to kind mm-hmm. of help out. Um, interestingly though, in the original case, the Warrens were not actually able to help the parent family. They did not rid the house of the evil entity and they, they did not... Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they did not cleanse them. Of... Well, that makes this movie even weirder to yeah. be then based on true events where they... Based Gave on, it a happy ending. Based on the events that apparently happened and then just changed the ending to suit the, the Warrens. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said before, it was, mm. um, is it Bathsheba? Bathsheba. I keep wanting to say Bethesda. <laughs> um, Bathsheba. So Bathsheba was a, a witch yeah. who had a child, mm. but just for the pure intent of sacrificing it. Mm. So I think she sacrificed it when it was like what, seven, either seven days, seven weeks or seven months old. Gotcha. I, probably seven days old. That would make the most sense. Mm. Like sacrificed it, like just part of a ritual because yeah. she was a witch. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually hanged herself and put a quote-unquote curse on the property mm, so that anyone right. who tries to take it will die and shit. Yeah. And then it's revealed that like since then, all the families that have lived there, the mother has been possessed to kill the kid. Yeah, yeah. And so there's like like larger obese woman and the I think the Rory is the, the kid's ghost name. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was revealed that he killed or she killed him. Mm. I did I did like that he was prevalent throughout, but he wasn't like malicious an evil entity. Yeah, yeah. He was like trying to befriend the girl and 
Because he's the one that like pops up in the mirror yeah. music box thing, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. That's, I assume too he's the one where you get like the iconic like clap scare. I assume that's him because it's him just joining in the game they're playing. Dude, that whole hide and clap thing is my favorite thing in this film. <laughs> like, I know, like, hide and seek in the dark is creepy enough as it is. We call that spotlight. Spotlight? We called it murder in the dark. Okay. I, when I was a kid. Yep. It's, yeah, so nicely executed and such a cool um, idea for, for such a, a commonly used thing. And what I like with that whole hide and clap thing where essentially... Um, you know, the mother or one of the kids will be blindfolded, spin around, count to 10, and then they have to go find the kids and they can ask for, I think, three claps to try yep. and pick up where they are in the house and grab them and they win. Yep. I like the second time they're doing it when it's not the whole family, it's just the mother and one of the daughters and the kid claps like somewhere in the hall or whatever, um, goes into like that room and the hands come out of the wardrobe. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. so sick. I'm and now realizing I've been made a fool of when I before when I said he didn't introduce any supernatural scares. That's a great one. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. He yeah. he he created that. I assume it was him. And that's a that's a beautiful supernatural scare that yeah. is very unique. And it's it's even scary when they do that again when she like falls down the stairs in the mm-hmm. basement. And the door like slams and locks behind her. That- strikes the match. And it's it's good because the match burns out. Yeah. And she has to strike another one. So it builds the tension really well because everyone fucking hates being locked in a dark room. And you can hear like the kids giggling and laughing. Mm. And then the hands like appear beside her and clap. But they're yeah. like adult, like male hands. Yeah. Oh. Gave me the willies. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um and we touched on Annabelle before, which um Annabelle is also based on like a, a real Raggedy Ann doll. Yeah. Um, from the 20th century that was rumored to be possessed in um, where it is on display in a museum, even if you look in its eyes, like it's rumored that people have these weird occurrences afterwards and yep. stuff. Um, and the film opens with like the Warrens. It, it's like them presenting a lecture in a hall, but they've got like this projection um, of a video interview with like previous owners, I guess you'd say. That was nice. Like a, a cool way to kind of introduce their... I guess you call their like haunted museum in the house where they just yep. have these like the museum artifacts the that are yeah essentially vessels of I don't know like evil spirits that are contained in in like dolls and <laughs> other creepy things like dolls are creepy as it is but like making Annabelle like a ceramic kind of doll with like chips and a mm-hmm. creepy mm-hmm. grin and and everything that was just I disturbing. Like, I very much like the idea too of I mean I know it's a like that was a real occult mm. um, museum that the real Warrens had. Yeah. But in the movie, I like the idea of like why they keep them there, because because the like spirits have latched themselves onto these objects. Mm. Then it's safer to just keep the objects locked up with the spirits in them than yeah. to destroy them, and then the spirits can just be out there doing shit. Yeah, I like the way that Patrick Wilson words in the film where he's like, "Better to keep the genie in the bottle." Yeah, I thought that was cool. I mean, what's he say? Like, I think the the guy there who's interviewing mm. like them about the museum is like, "Oh." aren't you scared of having it here? Yeah. And his response is like, oh, we get the, a priest to bless the house once a month. Yeah. Like, is that enough, really? Yeah. Not <laughs> that many fucking spirits there. And they have like a young girl as well. But on the note of dolls, like I was going to say, I wasn't really sure like what the point of having that Annabelle opening was. Um, but I guess it was to, to so they could link into the fact that they take it very seriously and um, they have that collection of the possessed artifacts so other people don't have to deal with it Mm. and obviously opens that door to the annabelle trilogy as well yeah i wonder if they had that like idea going into it like all right let's yeah like let's do this it's in the movie to like set up the characters but let's just 
do it in a way that could mm. open up for a sequel. Potentially, yeah. Because, I mean, I would have understood a spin-off, but fucking three of them. <laughs> um, and I just like uh, how dolls are like a common appearance in James Wan's filmography. Like, obviously, Billy the Puppet and Saw mm-hmm. um, and Dead Silence, which was all about fucking creepy dolls. Yep. Um, and James Wan's Instagram handle is actually Creepy Puppet. <laughs> so, I thought that was cool. Um, and I like uh, the morning after they move in, just like shit starts getting real. Like the mum, like it's gradual, but it's like the next day in the film mm. at least. Like the mum's bruised. Um, one of the kids says like their room is freezing all night. Another yep. kid said there was like a foul smell. Yep. Like all the clocks have stopped at 3.07, which is obviously the witching hour between three and four. Mm. Uh, and the I dog's mean, dead. Well, it's also <laughs> set up that that's the time. I think Bathsheba hung herself. Yeah, yeah. That's probably why, but mm. yeah. Yeah, and then the fucking, dog's fucking dead, yeah. dead dog. So yeah, a, a lot fucking happens the next day or overnight. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and I guess the the coolest thing I think about the first hide and clap when the mum's blindfolded is it's one of those scares where the audience sees it and the character does not, which we love, like the strangers, for example. Yeah, I because it's a supernatural movie, I tend to lean more to I like the ones that um, show less. Yeah. Like Paranormal Activity. I like because it it's as real as a supernatural movie can be. Mm. Whereas this one goes the opposite direction and it's like, all right, well, let's just pretend like it is all real yeah. and just show fucking everything. Mm. I mean, Insidious does the same way, but I like Insidious more because it's not just straight, like, what if ghosts are real? It introduces, like, all this dimensional shit and yeah. astral walking and stuff. And it, it takes a new spin on it instead of just ghosts. Yeah, okay. That's cool. And I think we were talking about this a while ago when we were thinking of reviewing this on the pod. I think, like I said before, they're usually simple scares um, drawing from common fears. But one of the best scares in this film, I think, is when the sheet comes off the line. Yeah. And it like, wraps around that figure and then gets carried off in the wind. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That was that was original. You know what that just reminds me of, though? Fucking when, Halloween. Or, no, the scary movie. <laughs> that, of Halloween. No, but also when we were in like high school and what was it? <laughs> What was his name? There was a teacher that was just like Mr. walking Eldridge. along. Mr. Eldridge was just walking along and like a plastic bag just flew into his face. It wasn't any plastic bag, Nathan. It was the fucking bin liner in the lunchroom. <laughs> right. Just came out in the wind and wrapped around his face. <laughs> that's we what lost I'm, our shit. That's what I immediately thought of. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, Core memory unlocked. That's it. Um, yeah, but there's... This movie definitely taps into like some primal fears, mm, like especially yeah, to yeah. do with the kids' room. Like when she's sleeping with her feet outside of the covers, like yeah. a fucking idiot. Yeah, I wrap my feet in my blanket. Thank you. Yeah, uh, thing it's tugged on, and then when she's like staring at the corner and mm. the, behind the door, it's just pitch black. Yeah, like, just big empty dark spaces. Yeah, are, are like, naturally creepy. I, I very much like that's what I find scary. Not yeah. like you don't even see anything, but it's the idea that there's something in that shadow. Mm, that's right. It's like um, I see in other horror movies where there'll be like a kid who can't sleep and they hear something, so they like lean over the bed and mm. look like under the bed. I would never have the courage <laughs> to do that when I was a kid. I'd be like, oh, I heard something. I'm pulling the covers over my that's head and it. I'm not emerging till the sun breaks. As soon as you have that covers over your head, you're fucking safe. Yeah, yeah. I think we've had this discussion on the pod, but how? How? what's your optimal door uh, position when you're when you're going to bed at night? Do you like a closed door, an open door, slightly ajar? What's, what's your method? I would prefer it to be closed. Okay. Because as I've aged, I no longer care as much about 
poltergeist and ghosts as I do about home intruders. <laughs> and so I want as many doors between us as possible so that if I hear it, I yep. can have at least have a moment to find a weapon. Yep, yep. Uh, but we have cats. And yeah, one of them, yeah. Monty, is a fucking little bitch. Yep. He just meows at the door if we try to close it. <laughs> so we have to sleep with the door open. Yeah, okay, fair. Uh, another really good one is that's kind of sudden too. Um, when the family portraits on the wall down the stairs just get like shattered and and mm-hmm. drop down and slide down the stairs, that was cool. It was, I guess, like they kind of did that in Paranormal Activity, but that was more targeted on like a single frame and it was like yeah. cracked over the guy's face. Whereas this yeah. was like, nope, the entire family's just trashed. Um, and that scare, like you were saying before, when it's the the girls in the bedroom. And there's the woman, or like the witch, I guess, on the wardrobe. But yeah. I really like where the girl... Is, is when like the young girl sleepwalks and she like bangs her head mm-hmm. like rhythmically on the doors. Mm-hmm. The other chick wakes up and then she just like looks in horror. But you, you don't see it until the camera like um, tilts up to show her. Mm. Where, and then jumps down on the little girl. I really liked that because it would have been so easy to just have like a cut where it shows her straight away. Yeah. Like on top of there and... Um, I do like as well when the family comes in and it's like an invisible force attacking her. Like no one else can see it. Yeah. Very, um, except the girl. Like a very, that's very It Follows-esque as well, where you see like the hair yeah, get yeah. pulled up and then it's a little silly to think that a ghost is like, not that the ghost is pulling her by the hair, but the way to stop that is to just cut her hair and then all of a sudden the ghost doesn't pull her anymore. Mm. I don't know. That seemed a bit odd. I like when Ed and Lorraine Warren go to the house and they're kind of doing the rounds, getting a feel for it. Um, and I think... There's a moment when Lorraine is with one of the girls that finds the music box with the mirror, mm-hmm. and she like sees a glimpse of the boy, um, and then later she goes down near the lake, and there's that tree, and she sees like the feet mm. hanging, um, and that's all you see in that moment. But then later in the film, um, when they like sit down with the the mother, um, and and possibly the father, I can't remember if Rogers there, uh, to like discuss like what they think so far is going on. And that's when Lorraine's like, oh, as soon as I walked in the door, I saw this mm. shadow like clutching to you and then it move over to your family. And then she's like talking about how there was the witch like hanging from the noose on the tree. Yeah. But like you never saw that. So when the two of them walked into the house for the first time and they look visibly shaken, like you, you feel like they're just picking up on something. Yeah. I, I really like how they did that. The only bit I don't like is that they did show the hanging feet mm. because I think it like it doesn't. I, don't know, I, li- I would have liked it better if they just kept not showing it until she goes back and like has a flashback. Yeah. But they ruin it by then showing the feet. And it's like, well, later they show it was a woman hanging, but we knew that because we saw feet. Well, I I kind of agree and disagree. I, I liked seeing the feet behind um, Patrick Wilson's head when like he doesn't know it's there. But I don't like later in the film, it's a wider shot and it shows the full body just hanging from a noose. Because mm. I like it being inferred and like just in the background. Yeah. Like, I, I might have even liked more if it was focused on um, Patrick Wilson and then the feet were like blurred out in the background, like swaying. Yeah. I, I would have liked that maybe more. Yeah, I would have liked that. And then if they just didn't go back later and show that the, the lady was hanging there. Yeah. Because okay. we know, we've seen the feet. Yeah, yeah. And like similar to The Exorcist, they kind of explain that they've got to obtain evidence before they pitch it to a church for a potential exorcism. Mm. Um, so that's when they like set up all the old school kind of ghost hunting equipment, which was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, and even when they switch to like the old film camera and like the um, like framing of the actual film you're watching like changes to that style. 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the audio as well. Like you, he's using like a shotgun yeah. mic, so when he like points it away, like his voice diminishes. I there is something very satisfying about that part of the movie, like where they're down in the basement. It's just and it, it's it puts like you there. all the pure sound design is yeah. as if it's coming from that microphone. It, yeah, it's very immersive. I have a question. When she first goes into the basement and she plays the piano, is that like a C chord or some shit? So about that, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not a chord. They play three notes, but, oh man, I can't remember the film, but it's the same melody that's played in like a 50s or 60s horror. Okay. Yeah, I, I've right. forgotten the name of it. I wish I wrote it down, but I read that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Just homage. Because I feel like whenever you do that in a horror film, it's got to be like something that's been used before because I like those little Easter eggs Yeah, as a horror fan. But yeah, I can't fucking remember. It's not one I've seen, but it's like a classic old one. not just like The Haunting, is it? Oh, maybe it was. Okay. Yeah, because was that 60s? I think so. Yeah, Yeah, that might have been what it was. It's like three bass notes on the piano. Okay. Yeah, because I didn't recognize it, but I read it. Right. Um, And obviously, like, they had to, like, then go back later and you hear the same notes because the ghost has done it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what was the film that we pick something up in was it the strangers when there's yep. the piano in yeah, the strangers yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was cool yeah um i also like the comic relief when the cop is like coming out of the bathroom but it's because <laughs> they've got like all the triggers and the lights set up and there's just like the door slowly creak open and everything that was nice um because there's not a lot really in this film there's not a lot of humor um there's just more so like you said i guess how wholesome like ed warren can be yeah I mean, like I'd say to a point where that bit of comic relief almost feels out of place. Yeah, yeah, it so was. A I bit would have long. been fine if they omitted it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like, however, shortly after that, when doors start opening, the lights go off, and it's like actually being triggered by something. Um, and when it's like walking up the stairs with the, the daughter, um, she goes behind the door, and the door shuts and locks, and you just see the light bulb flashes mm. like under the door because that was just like a sense of panic. It's like, fuck, what is going on? Yeah. On the other side, because as we've said on this pod numerous times, what you don't see is always scarier. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then they use the UV light to like follow the footprints. That was smart. It was smart, but are you telling me there are no other footprints in that room? Well, like the only footprints that are showing up are the ones that were just made. Well, would it still show them if they were wearing shoes? Because he tests it with like a palm print. Yeah, on a but table. Like it's their house. They're not all wearing shoes. Maybe they were. Maybe I'm, it was just I'm just going to I'm just going to assume that they cleaned the whole house before <laughs> this so that there were no cross-contaminating prints. That's that's my head cannon. I'm sticking okay. with it. Okay. And um That's a good reveal though where they yeah. follow it into the into the closet that was already in the house when they moved mm. in. Always get rid of that shit. Yeah. It's always haunted. Yeah. And uh and there's like a hidden compartment behind it. Yeah, because I think I read that in that particular state, I don't know if it's still current law, but if it was just at that time um, in the real estate industry, you did not have to disclose if there were any like criminal activity or yeah. or homicides or whatever in a property if you were you were advertising it. Which makes sense. Like you don't need to disclose it. The only thing I'd say would supersede that is if it was used as a meth lab. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, one of the houses that I lived in when I was growing up in regional Victoria with my dad, we had like. Uh, I think the previous owner was like a drug dealer, and we had like people coming to the house at times, <laughs> like um, knocking, thinking like he was still there. And we'd find like bent spoons in brown paper bags with alcohol wipes in the driveway and shit. Oh, it was that's how you made all your pocket money, huh? Rough neighborhood. <laughs> um, but yeah, and in that moment, like Lorraine, like gets behind there and and finds where the music box was found, and for some reason, a noose 
is like hanging down the crawl space. Yeah, I don't know about I'm not that. sure if that was just meant to be like an unnerving moment, but I was I just thought that was out of place. I, yeah, I guess it's just meant to be unnerving. Yeah, um, but I do like when she collapses through the levels and, and falls down to the basement. She's getting like visions of the deceased, but she's not like overly frightened. Like she doesn't panic. She's just... Because, oh, because it's not the witch. It's like the one of the previous... Uh, sorry, one of the... That's following members that lived there. That's when she sees the large one and... Yeah, Rory, and, and yeah. she's like, oh, she made me do it. So she's not, like, panicked. She's just kind of concerned at that point. Yeah. Which was interesting. It just kind of showed her, like, stealing herself and being resolute. There's there's something scary about living in a house and having all these, like, crawl spaces. Mm. Like, because you've seen it now, like in The Boy, where yeah. someone can just move around the entire house just inside the walls. Mm. Like, little rat people. That's, yeah. That, to me, yeah. is scarier than any ghost. Like, the people under the stairs. Yeah. And um, when the... Because I think it's after that. They're like, all right, well, we've got the evidence. Um, we'll get back to you. Uh, we'll, we'll let you know how it goes. But then it's like soon after they have to come back and like break into the house because the witch by this point is straight up possessed the mother, Carolyn, and she's yeah. like trying to stab April with scissors. That's, that's a stupid part of the movie, i got to admit. Like To abrupt? They, no. Well, they already... Just before that, they already find out from Lorraine Warren that... The whole ghost's fucking MO is to possess the mother mm. to then kill the kids. Mm-hmm. And the mother at this point has been showing signs of possession. Yeah. Like yeah. Lorraine even has an instance with her where she's like clearly off. You know, yeah. after after she has like after she has after been possessed. in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and then immediately they just leave the mother alone with the girls. Yeah. Like, are you telling me they weren't the least bit suspicious? That's the only but bit I don't like. Given that she's meant to be like a medium as well and be like extra sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't make much common sense, but okay. I don't want to be too nitpicky. Like yeah. it, it had to happen for the movie to finish. <laughs> yeah. No, I can see that. That is a bit jarring. Um, but I do like when she's got those scissors. And it's always those like creepy, heavy, old scissors like in us that yep. they use that... Uh, I don't know, they freak me out. One of my grandmothers used to have a pair in, in the study and I always didn't like touching them. I feel like they're just like sewing scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah they are. Cause like heavy duty, got to cut through that Yeah, fabric. but they just give me like medical vibes. <laughs> I don't know. There's something medieval about them that gets yes. on my skin. Um, and I like when, like later in the film, um, I think it's post-exorcism and she's like crawling through the, the spaces in the house and the walls and that reminded me of like the nun in... Um, the visit. Oh, the bit, yeah. Like crawling out of the house trying to <laughs> yeah. chase him. Um, and then like when they try to pull the mother out after they break in, like the witch won't let her leave and she's got like the lesions and the burns and stuff that appear on yeah. her skin. That was really nice. It was like yeah. this barrier. Yeah, I did make a note about that because in terms of like practical effects versus CGI yeah. that I often talk about, um, this is an example of a movie where the CGI is done well. Mm. Like, the, when, like the, they don't lean on it too heavily. There appears to be a lot of stuff just done practically. Yeah. But in an instance like that where she's trying to leave the house and she gets visibly worse and then later in the movie where her face transitions from normal to possessed back yeah. to normal again. Yeah. It looks like it's done in a way that looks realistic. Mm. And so I don't know if that's just a case of it was a good studio that did it, a good v- like VFX. Mm. It, I just had the budget for it. But it was good it looked very nice and believable yeah to be honest i think a lot of a lot of it could have gotten away with makeup and practical effects because the only things thinking now that could have been cgi were i, I guess when um like the eye of the storm in the exorcism when it goes quiet and the chair like levitates but mm-hmm. turns upside down but also when the daughter is getting like thrown around the room by her hair 
or the mother, whoever that was. But everything else, like doors opening, chairs flying across the room, like it, I wouldn't be surprised if they just found a way to do it. Mm. And then, yeah, during that, that exorcism, that's, I don't know, it, it's not as intense as The Exorcist, but it's like she's... I don't think any movie will have an exorcism as intense as The Exorcist. Yeah. I mean, it's in the title. As enduring, yeah. Because yeah. um, she gets like handcuffed to a chair with a... Th- I really like the decision to put a sheet over her face. Mm. Um, and I was watching an interview with James Wan on this film where he said it makes it scarier that you don't see her face. So when it like, she vomits blood like up on the sheet, it kind of just like makes it cringe. Yeah. And when it like tears and you can, like you said, see like, like the witch face is revealed. That's creepier as well. Cause it's like trying to come through. It's like this metaphor. And I just like how that whole sequence there is contained where in the exorcist, it very much wasn't. It's like thick green vomit in the <laughs> mouth, you know, splattered over your face or it's fucking, um, it, it's much more visceral, but this was almost more unnerving that it was like within arm's reach, but still contained. Yep. Yep. Something about that just really appealed to me. Yeah. Well, I, I, more of the similarities, similarities to the exorcist. Mm. I like how in both movies, the exorcist is a like failure. Okay. Because in the exorcist, oh, the exorcism. Yep. Yeah, no, sorry. The exorcism. Yeah. yeah. I think you made that same mistake. The exorcist <laughs> yeah. as well. Um, the exorcism is like a failure. Whereas yeah. in the exorcist, they try, they fail, and then Father Harris or Karis, Father Karis has to like take it into himself and then commit suicide mm. to kill the demon or get rid of the demon anyway. Yeah. Um, and this one, the exorcist, oh, fuck, the exorcism <laughs> also fails, and then they have to find another way to actually overcome it, like. Well, it's a lot better than just saying, oh, yeah, the exorcism works and they all live happily yeah. ever after. Well, I don't know if it fails in this, but I think they get interrupted. Because, like, pa- I'd call Patrick, that a Wilson, <laughs> Patrick Wilson's, like, reading the, the, the passage and he just kind of stops because the chair levitates. But, like, because the same thing happens in The Exorcist. They're, like, shocked by yeah, what's happening. I just mean, like, in terms of the movie. Like, it's a more interesting movie where the exorcism doesn't finish or that's not how they defeat the demon. Okay. Okay, you because I mean? so when she's like, when she escapes and she's like running through the house and she finds April because the dude is like, <laughs> hey, she's over here. Yeah. <laughs> like, fucking And they tell you out. exactly where she is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's in, in the film, it's Lorraine Warren, right? It, like, touches her and tries to like transfer, I guess, the memory of that like mm. happy moment that she saw in the photo. And that's, it's like the love overcoming the evil kind yeah. of thing. I like yeah. the, the contrast too between like, the memories of when they're at the beach, everything is like very brightly colored. They're in mm. like all green and red bathing suits or clothes and it's very brightly shot. And then all yeah. the current day in this haunted house is very dark, dreary and mm. foggy. Yeah, yeah, that was very good. It's a lot of color grading. Mm. Um, during that whole exorcism, like the kamikaze crows and pigeons just like <laughs> pelting themselves at the windows. Bet you didn't know this was birdemic too. <laughs> yeah, that kind of reminded me of like the flies in Amityville Horror when all the flies are swarming oh, yeah. the house. Um, and I really love the final shot of this film um, when it's the the music box mirror. They like leave that artifact room and somehow the someone's wound up the music box. Like again, it's it works well for the film but it doesn't make sense in the narrative. Well, I think it just is saying that it's still possessed. Yeah, like, okay. It's still another thing. Like like he was saying in the beginning where it's like the spirit is contained within that o- object. Yeah. And so it being there is... God, yeah. Means it's trapped. God, yeah. And I like too that it could have been a fault, like a fake out scare at the end where you could see something in the mirror, but they yeah. just don't do that. They just yeah. cut to black. 
perfect. Yeah, it's like a lingering shot like it follows, mm, yeah. which I really like. Or like fucking Inception or something where you yeah. don't know if it is or it isn't. Leaves it open to interpretation. Yeah. And then those end credits, man, they might be my favorite end credits of any movie, I think. Oh, with like the newspaper clippings and the photos? Yeah. Well, not even like that. It's like the... Because they're what do you what do you call it? like an overhead projector? Oh, where like at school where they have yeah, the sheets. It's like cells. translucent sheets on top of a light, mm. and then you can see like a hand coming in and actually physically changing them. Yeah, it's it's like the end credits were a shot. Yeah, they weren't like edited. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just like instead of just being this boring scrolling text of black, it's this it's interesting and it looks yeah. cool. And then when they have like the credits for who played who, mm. they actually have like an overlay of the people with another overlay with the names where the people are. Yeah, yeah. Like you're looking at high school photos or something yeah. like that. Yeah, sports it team photos. Cool. Yeah, that was really nice. And speaking of credits, even like the, the crawling text and like the yellow title card at the opening was mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it just very contrasted to the rest of the film being so dark, like you said, and then it's just this big like yellow lettering that takes <laughs> up the entire screen it's just i really like it it's really jarring in a in a cool way mm-hmm. um and this film overall has like it's really fast paced editing um which i guess is just a byproduct of modern horror i but, think that's also just james wan because he yeah that's, okay. like saw one is very there's a couple of sequences in yeah that movie especially that are very fast paced when the room's like spinning and everything as well yeah yeah and but even the narrative is pretty fast paced like I would I would wager that the story takes place over like weeks, but they like obviously only show when drastic things are happening. And mm. like I said earlier, it's like the next day after moving in, which yeah. wasn't the case either in real life. Any, anyway, the it's it moves along very quickly, but when it's got like a scare coming on and it wants to build tension, um, it does that very well, and it's it takes time when it needs to. Yeah, and and like you said, there's a lot of scenes that do build tension that don't have a jump scare at the end like it doesn't resolve yeah so yeah that was really cool and um technically speaking as well like um some really nice shots in here like i really enjoyed um the opening sequence after the whole annabelle thing in the lecture hall um and it's got the family moving in um and unpacking and it's a single shot following like a girl from the like removalist truck and it goes like under the couch that the guys are carrying looks around every room in the house that was really smooth um and then the slow zoom in onto the tree yeah yeah that was really good it had another one of those nice upside down shots where it like starts upside down yeah how cool was that and then Uh, goes back again because i think you said they do that in the insidious saga a few times well i think i think they do that in in the red door oh like patrick wilson's one i just i just like that that yeah like that uh sequence that movement the of the tilt. camera the they tilt. always look good yeah because and this was a good um like metaphor as well because it was like during the exorcism and it's lorraine running out of the basement where it's like something demonic so the camera's upside down yeah and then when it tilts as she runs out and it goes up the stairs to drew i think who's looking for april um and it's the right way up because like he's doing something good like trying to save the girl so oh, that was yeah. a nice like spiritual parallel very cool i thought um, and a lot of long tracking shots, um, like whenever it's following the family in this big empty house, it's the camera's always behind them slowly walking along the corridor so you can absorb the surroundings and like be there with them. It's just, it does the, the haunted house tropes very, very well. It's, it's like, like we've said numerous times in this pod, it's just think nothing really new 
like in terms of a scare or the way that it's shot in this film, but it takes the bare bones of what makes um, like a possession or, or a haunting film scary uh, and then just like expands on that. Like yeah. it, it just makes them longer and more unsettling, which I really and enjoyed. Spawned a fucking whole franchise that earned yeah. $2.2 billion. Yeah. That's gnarly. <laughs> Um, an extra, like, what was it? 300 million on top of the budget made back. Yeah, I, I liked it. It's, it's a, I agree. It's a very, it, it's a very well-made movie. Mm. Not necessarily made for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I, I think it that just goes to show how, how good it is though. If I'm not a big fan of Haunted House movies, mm. but I like it as much as I do because I can recognize how well it's made. Yeah. I think it also goes to show how influential The Exorcist was. Because I dare say being early 70s, outside of maybe Rosemary's Baby, which was late 60s with like satanic themes, I dare say The Exorcist was one of the first like demonic films. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see how influential it was in in comparing to this, which came out like 40 years later when you've got the exorcism scene and there's the, you know, the levitation or even, uh, you know, and spewing out the blood as well the chair turning upside down, like the um, crosses that get knocked over. Um, and even at the start, I think when they're, or, or one of the times when Ed and Lorraine Warren are in a lecture hall and they show videos of a previous exorcism, one that like really scarred Lorraine Warren. Yep. And the guy's like speaking in Latin. Has like um, the, the cross that like comes out of his skin. Yeah, the scar on his stomach. So like these kind of things that, you know, these are probably things that have been credited as happening in exorcisms for centuries, but because, like, in terms of cinema, like, yeah. The Exorcist was the first one to bring it to the screen. Sure. Um, but another thing I really liked that was a nice parallel, but still did it differently, was having the tape recording and having the mother's voice when she's speaking not be picked up at all yep. on playback. That was really cool. That was a nice touch because, obviously, it was really sick in The Exorcist when they had it, you know, reversed. Um, but this sort of, like takes that a step further to making it its own, which I really enjoyed. More jump scares, but you get that with, you know, 2010s onwards. And uh, the whole film was like a possession that did not take place purely in one room, which I liked as well. It was more mm-hmm. so the whole house, so that allowed for long, dark corridors and creepy basements and what have you. Gnarled trees in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was definitely less confronting than The Exorcist, but more artful, I think. Like some more technical shots and... Um, Better pacing, I would say. You know what I'd like to see in, in terms of a haunted movie? Mm. Like, this and Paranormal Activity both have, like, sort of plot points where it's not necessarily the house that's haunted, it's the people that are haunted. And so... Okay, by, the, like, trauma, do you mean? No, like, by a ghost. <laughs> or a demon. Is that not just possession or oppression? Uh, when it's not the house, it's like a person's getting affected? I, well, I mean, most haunted house movies, it's the house that's haunted. And then... This one and Paranormal Activity 2 are the ones that stand out in my mind where they explicitly say it's not the house that's haunted, it's latched itself onto you and oh, your family. Okay. Got you. So there's no point going anywhere. What I'd like yeah, to see is yeah. a movie that actually takes that and then actually they do go other places and so it's different locations mm. for the hauntings to take place. Well, I feel like you don't see that. That's essentially how the Paranormal Activity saga unravels because like the first one is Katie as you know a 30-something and she's like, oh, it's followed me since a kid. And then Paranormal Activity 2 is following her to a different house. Paranormal Activity 3 is when they were kids. So yeah, like that I, kind I mean, of just does like, that. 
in one movie because I don't want to sit down oh, and watch a whole day. Oh, okay. Like franchise. they try to flee it and it just yeah. follows. Okay. And you I just can get see different that. shots of like, here's gotcha. them being haunted at this place. Here's God, them yeah. haunted in this way. I think that'd be cool. Like, yeah, okay. they get haunted in the car or some shit like that. If it's not trying to kill you, though, like, it would have potential for, like, a horror comedy, I think. Yeah, true. It's like, it's, instead of it being terrorized by, uh, it, you know, instead of the character being terrorized by this entity, it could just be, like, an inconvenience. Yeah. Like, they try to go on dates and this ghost is, like, interrupting them. Yeah. Oh, that'd, that'd make a good Surely that's comedy. a movie. Yeah. That sounds so 80s or 90s. Like, surely that's been done. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's about all that I have to say on the hit 2013 film The Conjuring by James Wan. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've made our thoughts on it clear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have nothing else to say about the movie. Yeah, so. let's let's wrap it up. All right, let's do it. You can catch us uh, every Friday at five pm on any streaming services you want to listen to us on. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. We have an email that you can send emails or questions to Deadhouse pod at hotmail.com yes and then, send us some things yes and then facebook and instagram at dead house or dead house pod yes sir and um this is episode 24 yeah, next episode we is 25 that. yeah and uh we have something very special yes. planned for you all not so. your not your average movie review not your yes. average topic yes something else so yes. stay tuned we're going to be exploring uh different mediums <laughs> if that's a if that's a clue yes in the meantime we'll be right back <laughs>